Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash cultural stew. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Please listen carefully. Welcome to the Cultural Stew Podcast, coming to you from the Goat Factory Media Entertainment Studios. We are your cultural media recommendation podcast, giving you our take on what we think is worth carving your time out for, and also what we think you can pass on and maybe go cut that lawn instead. Warning, we use adult language and there may be spoilers ahead. Welcome to our show for episode 24. My name is Ron Harkins Jr. for the week of November 25th, 2018. And I am here with my co-hosts. Tony Carter. Valerie Vidmar. Hello, hello, hello. Hi. How is everybody today? Better. 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 Our our resident sicky is no longer sick. It's good. I can have my voice back, so it's great to be back here and not sign everything if I had to. Because you guys can't see it, but they'll see it. But yeah, you know. It wouldn't work. It wouldn't work. Yeah. And I'd only understand about like probably one sign. Bathroom? Mm. Yes. No. Probably a swear word. Oh. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we're, we're a week after and we've got Thanksgiving now uh, behind us and uh, guests galore. and Now we're tired. No, we're all, we're all we slogging right now. Vacations make you tired. Vacations do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I said to my wife yesterday, I'm like, I this four-day vacation, I'm like, I, I was seriously confused. I thought yesterday was Monday, and I was ready to get up and go back into work. And then I'm like, okay, what am I going to I've had everything. I'm caught up on everything. I was like, this is just... Mm. I got confused and forgot Friday was Friday. I needed to make some phone calls and I forgot. Yep. But I didn't really care about Black Friday. I didn't do anything with that. We went out later in the day just because I kind of like, you know, it's like picking through crumbs, but sometimes you find something decent and by then most of the crowds are fading away. So you found a couple stuff, mainly just looking at, Blu-rays and stuff like that that are on sale and cheap. Jason so. wants a new TV. Mm-hmm. No, they're they're cheap. That's for sure. Did he get one? No, mm. he didn't get one. He just wants one. Okay, so it's a hint that you should get him a TV for. No, I think it's gonna start lucky next weekend or something. I don't know. We'll find out. Did you know there's actually seasons when you should buy certain things? There's like a calendar I saw online where you can. It tells you when to buy laptops, when to buy. TVs because it's certain times of the year. TVs are generally right after CES, I think. Yes. What's so, CES? Um, consumer consumer entertainment electronic symposium. Or, I don't know. Something one of those two. Mm-hmm. It's basically when all the the new TVs for the year get. That's like released. buying a car. Yeah. Okay. Trade show. So as soon as everybody releases their new one, all the other stuff start dropping in prices, but. We're also living in an age where the price of a TV is just drastically dropping no matter what you do. So, I mean, there was a 55-inch TV for $350 that was a 4K HDR. Where? Target. Yeah, I saw that at Target, too. It was $399 at Best Buy. We walked over to Target, and it was $349. Hmm. Yeah. 
and the 65 inches aren't that far off either. I don't have or room. You can get them under six in, or 600. But uh, if I was to pick a song that kind of wrapped up the last three weeks, I feel like a nut would probably be it. You know, the, the Almond Joy Mouse yes. commercial. Yeah. That's where I'm at right now. I'm close. Are you next? You can go ahead. Uh, definitely. I'm Blue by Eiffel 65. Hmm. Do you know I'm Blue? I do not. I'm Blue. Da, da, dee, da, dee, da. It's, it's, it's really a, probably an annoying song to most people. I heard it in Europe when I was over there. So it's not as sad as the title it's suggested is? It's really poppy. It's poppy, but I'm going more with the title. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway. Um, I've been on a DJ Cool Let Me Clear My Throat for being, recovering from being sick, as well as the Sabres are on a nine-game winning streak. So we've been hearing that song a lot. After every goal, they play that. So it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun and exciting and stuck in my head now. So sick recovery as well as... Sabers are winning. Good times. Fun. Hey, a good voice is uh, a good start. It is. On today's docket, we're going to go through some news we care about um, and go into our recommendations of the week. Uh, I think we've got – whoa, just lost everything. Here we go. Uh, Valerie's going to do all we had. I think I'm going to do Ralph Breaks the Internet. I had a lot of time to watch a lot of stuff this last – couple weeks and especially with the extra week added in there um and tony's got the kaminsky method that's the new one that just came out on netflix right correct and then we're going to go into today's stew which is color and not just you know cinematic color like black and white versus color this is talking about color grading and how it makes you feel and and treatment yes and this week's media will basically be some of our favorites yes. in the use of that or the most important stuff. That yeah, something like that, yeah. And then we'll wrap up with what's on our radar and what's in our queue. So into the news that we care about, probably the biggest one for me of the last three weeks was Stan Lee died. Sad. Yeah, that was a, a rough couple of days. And it's weird when you like, have feelings for somebody you've never met. Sure. But uh, he's probably among the top three people that I've never met that have influenced a lot of my life. And so it was just, it was a weird, weird feeling. I'm sorry. I think the other one would be, you know, if we lost Steven Spielberg, it would be, he was a big impersonation on my uh, film life but there was uh, some good uh, remembrances a lot on Facebook a lot of clever ones on Facebook I saw so yeah I was I was the ones I was following more were a lot of the the comic book artists that worked for him I was following a lot of those Um, and then uh, we had another death William Goldman, who's a screenwriter behind The Princess Bride, and he does a lot of ghostwriting. Um, well, Not only The Princess Bride. Well, I mean, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. That's true, yeah. Princess yeah. Bride, everyone knows that one, too. I'm just trying to... My brain goes instantly to Princess Bride. And a couple other... And Goodwill Hunting and a few other films that he helped uh, ghostwrite. Um, 
Interesting, uh, interesting tidbit is that for the uh, Science of the Lambs, he watched the first cut of that, and he told them to cut out some things, and they didn't want to do it, but then they did, and the film won Best Picture. So Jonathan Demme did listen to him and his advice, even though he didn't know who this guy was who told him to cut certain things out of the script and out of the movie. So um, his death is going to be a, a big loss for me because I never met him either, but he's been inspiring. He's given lots of advice to lots of writers, and we kind of look to him as a mentor still do and kind of like Stan Lee he's uh, our big guy in screenwriting if that makes any sense mm-hmm. um, how old were were these surprises to you Stan Lee was pretty old Stan Lee I think it was 91 yes. so we knew it was coming especially like there's been a lot of stuff uh, over the last six months like arguments and within his inner circle inner circle which made me think that his all of his faculties were mm-hmm. going by the wayside very quick. Um, William Goldman, I really hadn't followed, so I really didn't know. It was kind of a shock. I mean, if you had asked me if he was already gone, I probably would have said yes. Guys, hmm. I, I can't think of anything that he's been recently. And then an, we had another death last night, uh, Ricky Jay. Who um, he's a magician historian, oh. but he's popped up in a lot of. Um, trying to think what you might know him from. Is that Boogie Nights, Ricky J? Probably. That guy's okay. Give me. I need to face now to be able to tell you. Yes, he's from yeah. Boogie uh, Nights, Boogie Nights yes. Magnolia. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, he died last night. How old? Seventy-two. Kind of young. Yeah. For, Goldman was 87, so that generation, Mel Brooks' generation, so. I'm not ready, but we never really are. Ricky J. in 2002 broke the Guinness World Record for the farthest throw of a single playing card. He flung one more than 216 feet. Wow. (laughs) Impressive. Hmm. What other news we got? Anything Mm. more uplifting? Yeah. <laughs> We're starting out on a very positive note today. Well, Lion King has a, the live action quotation marks live action adaptation that Disney seems to be on a kick doing lately. They're doing a uh, they dropped a teaser trailer recently, so we saw more visuals, I guess, more lions and more animals, more imagery, and it looks pretty. Did you see the the side by side comparison? I did not with the original. No, it's almost a shot for shot. Remake of the original well, trailer. They do, yeah, but yeah, it, it was seen a lot. I have, I have a number of twenty-two, wait, two hundred twenty-four point six million views globally in the first twenty-four hours. It was released. That's I watched it today, <laughs> and it was a uh, pretty cute. I'll admit, I liked it. I'm not sure if I want to see it or not. I'm sure Marnie's going to want to go see it, but I, I really have I'm no. definitely going to go see I it. I, I mean, like I like the Book. cast that they're throwing in together with it. I like what they did with Jungle Book. I, I like too. that it's John Favreau is involved in this oh, one okay. as well. That Hans Zimmer is redoing the music did for it. you see it. that I wrote Zebber really big? <laughs> you did? Oh, well, on mine I did. <laughs> I wrote Zimmer really big because I thought, look, Hans Zimmer. And that was the that was the score that he won his best his Oscar for was cool. for the original Lion King. Um 
But I think you got like Beyonce's and Beyonce, Glover, uh, James Earl Jones is coming back, mm-hmm. which is cool. Um, I know it's getting a little bit panned because it's quote unquote live action, but everything I saw so far was basically CGI photo reel. Right. But I'm not going to cross off that it's not live action yet because we've only seen what's in the trailer. Right. And what Jungle Book did a lot is the exterior animals right. were all real animals. They just filmed them. Um, the difference is I, if there probably won't be a human in this at all. No. <laughs> so... I mean, I don't see a um, bamboo picking up a lion cub and hoisting it above his head, yeah. but that's we'll see what happens. But all uh, the, all the characters that are animated are he did face and motion captured. Didn't we see the bamboo pick up the? the he did. He yeah. did. Yep. Mm. He picked him up. Um, who put mm-hmm. the Oxford English Dictionary? I'm a wordsmith, so that's all me. All me. I'm all about words. So you're the only wordsmith. Well, I'm just saying I'm all about words, so I put it down. Okay. Um, she's talking about the fact that the Oxford English Dictionary, or the OED, as we call it in our circles, because we're name like that, um, has added over 100 new film words. And we have words like Nollywood, which means Nigerian cinema. We have Mumblecore, which is a subgenre of independent film that started probably in the early 2000s, late 90s. It's not really mumble. It's basically a lot of improvisation and acting and really keen on people and their awkwardness okay so it's not the cousin to mumble rap no okay no (laughs) um safety not guaranteed one of my favorite films of all time is mumblecore it's um a uh apatow slash uh duplass brother kind of thing um pretty interesting a lot of indie writers try to emulate it and they shouldn't they just write their own voice but it's something that a lot of people say this is real and francis ha is a good example of that too a lot of um, Noah Baumbach films are classified under that. Um, we also have Shiki Cam has been listed in the dictionary too. So That's weird because you would have thought that would have been one that was added a while ago. Yeah. Like back when Spielberg used it for Saving Private Ryan. Right. But no. But good news for wordsmiths. Good news that our terminology in film is becoming more mainstream, I guess. So... That made me happy. A little tickle inside made me giggle. So, somebody gonna help me with this name? What do you got here? Uh, I put it on this basically because I thought that Andy Blankenbluer. Zoe, Zoe, Zoe would be excited. Andy Blankenbluer. Okay, Sounds signed off right. to choreograph the film adaptation of Cats. Um, but he did uh, the re- recent re- revival. Of Andrew Lloyd's uh, hit musical, and was the known choreographer. Choreographer, thank you for uh, Hamilton. So he's won three Tonys for his work on Hamilton, Bandstand, and In the Heights. So I thought that for some people, at least the people in my house, would find that kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Cats keeps finding a way to. Make it into the news every single week. <laughs> I they just cast Rebel Wilson Ooh. as who did they cast her as? Uh, Jenny Any Dots. Um, Ian McKellen's in it. Judy Dench is in it. Idris Elba is in it. Um, Taylor Swift is in it. Jennifer Hudson's in it. I mean, well, wow. they just keep adding reasons to see it. <laughs> <laughs> I just wasn't a fan of 
any of the original, but you know, they're finding a way. And who was, uh, there was somebody who was cast as Mr. I thought Mr. Mistopheles was already cast. That's not showing. So Mm. cats. Yeah. I saw it on stage in, uh, where did I see it? I can't remember. I think I saw it in either New York or London. I can't. I that. I can't remember. But it was not memorable to me. No memory. Not no. <laughs> it was not. My sister, Wendy, really likes the music, though. She's always liked the music, and um, the T-shirts are cool. Did you get? I know. I'll end up watching it. Just to. I just want to see. Especially now that they keep like putting more and more star talent in it. It's kind of getting a little bit more of like, uh, can't maybe they'll, not see it. Maybe they'll really do something with it. Maybe. We had two cats, Mistopheles and McCavity, <laughs> when we were growing up. So we had those Mac and Miss Missy. Can Ian sing? I've never heard him sing. I don't know if he has to for that character. Okay. Okay. I'm pretty sure he does. I'm going to assume most English actors can because they, they become triple threats while some Americans are just not learning to do that. But that's just a separate thing. We're not going to go into that. But, um, okay. Good to know. Uh, uh, that's any other news? Any trailers? Um, I, uh, last time I wasn't able to mention because I think I forgot but the front runner is a Hugh Jackman film that trailer I saw recently it's oh, mm-hmm. basically about Gary Hart which looks very exciting because he's not pulling out claws or anything he's playing a normal person Hugh Jackman is so um, in case you don't know Gary Hart was the front runner for a uh, presidential run and he got sidelined by a revelation of a affair with someone and that totally took the attention off of his campaign and on his personal life and he got to the point where he had to step away from the campaign and resign and then he got back into it then resigned again but this is the man that um was going against bush actually and could have actually beat him but all of this personal life stuff kind of muddled that bush won bush won yes so so it looks exciting i like history like politics so should be interesting to see. And I, I like seeing Hugh Jackman do other things besides just sing, which I know he does very well, and play Wolverine, which he does very well. So it's great to see him coming back and doing something. <laughs> uh, we also have Detective Pikachu. Never. No, what? Detective Pikachu. I don't. A live action. Oh, yes. Pikachu I movie. I did hear about this. And the voice of Pikachu is Ryan Reynolds. I've heard of this. Is thing. this Pokemon? I'm not. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I don't know anything about this. So. Me neither. Yep. But I, I never heard grew it was up with it either. But good. I mean, it, it was hilarious good. enough for me to like. Hmm. I'll probably rent yeah, it. Some people. <laughs> some people are very, very, very excited about it. So. There was a really funny poster that um, got posted this week, like right after the trailer, and it was Pikachu dressed up as Deadpool. <laughs> and okay, so mine is this a joke? No, no, no. It's not a joke. Okay, so I put on Once Upon a Deadpool, which is based around kind of uh, Princess Bride-esque. Mm. Well, like he goes in and he still has the same. Sort of. Fred Savage and he goes in to read him a book. So. Um, which is funny. They've been pressuring Ryan Reynolds to make a PG-13 Deadpool since right. the beginning. And he said, no, 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 no. And he said, okay, we'll do a PG-13 cut. 
if all of the proceeds go to a cancer um, charity. And so for one week only, the edited cut of Deadpool 2 has been retitled Once Upon a Deadpool, and he went out and kidnapped Fred Savage to make the trailer to make it look like the Princess Bride thing. But it's really it's just going to be Deadpool 2 that's just re-edited. So it's nothing. It's not a new shoot. It's it's nothing new, new. It's just overdubbed lines and a couple new huh. scenes here and there. That's interesting. You yeah. would think that they would have already done that because, you know, most times they do TV cuts when they're making films. They say the lines different ways so they can edit it into right. a TV cut. So you think they would have already done that but I'll, I'll i'll put it this way they're making it so it's not a cut that would end up on fx but a cut that could end up on like cbs oh, type thing oh, oh wow. so it's more mainstream to oh. get kids in to see it the ben Sa- the fred savage thing was just part of his deal to uh i'll i'll do it if you donate all the proceeds and let me kidnap fred savage to do this funky little piece for the trailer and it, it worked it was funny a friend of mine, his son, has dressed up as Deadpool for the last two Halloweens. He just turned 11, so he was 9 and 10 when he was, you know, dressed up. But he's never seen the movies, but he just likes the costume. Uh-huh. So his mother told me that you're not allowed to talk about what Deadpool is to him because <laughs> he doesn't need to know. But you see him walking around at parties and, like, this past Thanksgiving, he's wearing a Deadpool costume <laughs> around the house. And we were not allowed to say anything to him about Deadpool. It was just a cool costume kid and leave it like that and... It's kind of hard. But. Yeah, Zoe has a complete obsession with Freddie Mercury now, and <laughs> she is obsessed. Um, and so she wants to watch everything. And she's growing out her mustache. And, play, <laughs> and she, but that doesn't mean it crosses over to cousins and friends. And I like, and she keeps trying to like. I think she keeps trying to find somebody else that will like it. As much as she does. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'm just going to let her keep that in her. She's mad as hell because she wants to see the Harry Potter movie, which is fine. I'm fine with it. It's PG-13. But so it's both- completely getting destroyed. It's I know it is. And we're still going to go. Why won't you let her go see Bohemian Rhapsody? There's just five minutes. I don't have a problem with kissing. I just want to let you know. But there's just five minutes that I don't feel like she's ready yet for. That's all. Which part? I'm curious. Um, The party scene? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. The party scene and the drug scene. I don't think she needs to see okay. that yet. So I'm moving on from that. I just am like, we'll watch it and I can skip forward and it'll be fine. It's going to be... And then I think she can watch most of... Um, <coughs> <clears throat> the star is born, but we have to skip some of the others. We have to skip some things. Uh, well, well, a lot of things, actually. So maybe we'll just watch a few things. Um, I did see I did see a uh, The Intruder Nicole trailer. Nicole Kidman? Yeah, the, the Intruder is actually with Dennis Quaid. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and... Megan Good and Michael Ely. Is that right? And they get this house. Um, and he's like the, the person that gave them the house. house but his house. wife died in the house and he keeps taking care of the house. Like he keeps showing up <laughs> doing the yard and he's having a hard time giving up the house. 
and he becomes a little wacky. I don't know. It was enough weirdo kind of creepy that I thought I might go see that one. I saw a screenshot and it was just him peering through the hole of a broken door. I'm like, huh, that's very Shining-esque of him. Yeah. <laughs> so there we go. Um, there was also a couple uh, anime trailers this past couple weeks. The Toy Story 4 first trailer broke with basically them just doing kind of like a ring around the rosy thing with everybody holding hands. And at the end you meet Forky, who is going to be the new character that throws everything off. And then the next day, what was it, that? And then I think Detective Pikachu came that day and Disney got pissed off and made another trailer release the next morning, which uh, introduces two of the other characters, which are played by Keenan and Pell. Uh, is Keenan and Pell? Keenan Peel. Keenan Peel. Keenan. Um, sorry, they're, that name, those names make Keenan and K. Uh, yeah, they're, well, there's two different. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Peel and. Keegan Key, yeah. Yeah. My sister-in-law had me watching a couple of videos this weekend. And? I laughed a lot. Anyway. Um, so they were, um, so the second one deals with those two characters. Okay. And they're, they're making fun of the, or how to say the in, to infinity and beyond. And they're <laughs> completely butcher it. And then here comes uh, Buzz Lightyear and he says it the correct way and they just basically mock him for nobody goes to infinity. That's just stupid. <laughs> uh, the new Dumbo trailer hit, which was a lot more detailed than the previous one. So there was a lot more, uh, a lot more flying Dumbo. Okay. And is there a feather involved? Yes. The feather gets snorted and that's how he flies. Okay. Snorted. Because he's blowing the feather and then he sucks it in his nose and he tries to sneeze it out. And as he sneezes, that's how he ends up flying. Oh, interesting. And so, yeah, the feather is involved. Um, and they had the Baby of Mine song going in the back. Oh, jeez. And that's going to be a heart wrencher. Yeah. I, <laughs> the first one was a heart wrencher. I mean, the animated one was just heart wrenching. So there's that. And then I didn't watch the trailer, but I saw it. And the girls comment on it that Secret Life of Pets 2 trailers. Which out. is unfortunate. And this one is about the big cat this time. I'm sorry. I didn't like the first one. There are a lot of people that did. Zoe and I went and kept looking at each other like, really? This is boring. So we were bored. We didn't It like had that. its moments. It had a couple moments that I laughed at, but that's how most animated movies are now. There's just not enough to keep my attention. At- I know it's really disappointing. I think there are. Well, there's. I don't know actually, if it's me just some, getting older and. There are some that are really beautiful that they're older though. I mean, Zo or Kendra. I always, I always get his name wrong, so I really apologize. But Kendra introduced me to G H I B L Ghibli. Ghibli. Oh, yeah, Studio Ghibli, and um, even though Spirited Away is not my bag at all um like the secret life of Arietti and marnie and you know there, there's so many that are really beautiful the house um house house moving castle thank everyone. you um so we have a lot of those movies and i really i don't know there's something about them that are beautiful and they kind of suck me in 
but I really don't. I'm not really big on. I think it's, a lot of it has to deal with culture. I mean, those were those are all those are Japanese based culture, which tend to gear towards they start as adult animation, whereas our animation over here generally started for kids. Um, they also have characters that look like real. I mean, you know what I mean. Real people instead of I was I was just having this discussion, characterized people discussion about um, Disney movies and their obsession with girls with long hair and how that's pretty and princesses that have long hair and we have Tangled that she cut her hair off at the end and we have um, I think Princess I think it's Princess Zoe am I wrong on Sophia has short hair. And then, um, but most of the princesses in, or they leave their entire lives for a guy. So I like Brave because her hair's crazy and she doesn't care. And she does things on her own. Mulan. Yeah. Well, that's the time that they came out. That was the social script that was given to people. And as time has gone on, like just now recently we have Brave and those, and even Princess and the Frog that's showing is like... Yes. The studio has evolved and the social scripts changed. I'm glad that they're evolving, I guess I should say. Maybe I like, maybe I should say that. Yeah, I don't think Ratatouille got... I, I really like Ratatouille, but it wasn't this huge hit that these other movies were. Was it Pixar or DreamWorks? Who did Ratatouille? Pixar. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, it's the same thing. I mean, it's the same group. Correct? Yeah, it's Pixar owned by Disney. Okay. And Frozen was pretty. We still have a long long-haired girls but at least they depended on these cells and the hero of the movie is a girl i mean i know that it's just you get tired of seeing the damsel in distress distress and the guy going in and saving her or she falls in love within a song well i blame that on this the origin story and also the then again like i said this okay. time but yeah correct i understand what you're saying but it's just you know we're changing i'm glad we are changing too it's just a slow go because People are so used to letting the women need help and need you know, rescuing. And even Shrek, I think, changed that just a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, which I think that was the first instance, I think, I recall in my mind that that's when it started changing a little bit. I thought Belle was kind of an independent She was. She liked to read. And person. she, you're right. You're correct in that. She saved the beasts, not the other yeah. She did. And she loved to read, which was very positive. So, anyway, moving on. Moving on. Two recommendations, I think correct? Nala's, pre- <clears throat> Nala's pretty um, interesting. Whether they don't, oh yeah, they don't view Nala as a Disney princess. Nala is. Nala is in the Lion King. She's Simba. Simba's girl. Nala. Oh, his okay. His best friend. Okay. Um, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I had to think about that for a minute. But yeah. It, all right, let's move on to the recommendation list. Valerie, go okay. ahead. So recommendation or just what I watched. Um, I was on Katie Holmes hit kick, I guess, for some strange reason. So I had seen all we had the trailer and I was kind of intrigued by it. It wasn't anything that I'd ever heard of. <laughs> she directed it. I think it's her directorial debut unless she directed something but she's probably too young for that. Um, and it's basically about a mother who 
She might have not been able to because I don't know if she, she yeah. might have just gotten released from Tom Cruise <laughs> in 2016. Right. That's what I was or thinking. Or 2015, so that would have given her a year of directing if it was released right. in 2016. Yeah, we had a discussion about that too this weekend. Um, that would be an interesting topic sometime. <laughs> anyway, not Tom Cruise. What's just, that? Um, Scientology? No, actors that have a... I'm going to go on a tangent. So okay. I don't want we'll, to. We'll do, that, do that, so not, 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 I do that. I do that. Go on a tangent. What the hell? No. <laughs> It'll be more important than what I have to talk about. Anyway, so um, it's the financial crisis 2008, and she's a single mother with a teenage daughter. And I really liked the relationship she had with her teenage daughter just because it was close. And they, even though her mother, mother was screwed up, I'm not going to lie. She had, um, she drank. She um, always got involved with the wrong guys. Her mother died when she was young. She was kind of forced into, she wasn't forced. She's very smart. And she got a scholarship to go off to school. And she didn't go because she stayed home to help her brother and her father help with their family diner. Um. And she ended up with, you know, this guy's ball boyfriend. Um, when she finally gets there. Um, but it was just like, I don't know. They had, they had a lot of issues. They kept climbing out of places where they had rented because they couldn't pay. And so they were, you know, getting out through like air vents and stuff like that to get into their car. Um, the reason they ended up where they were, I think their car ran out again. No, there, something happened with the car and they needed it fixed. So she had to pay for it. Um, and this diner was very kind to them and gave them food and gave them extra, like uh, they could tell that they were hungry and they were like, oh, here is an extra Muffin and they, you know, she felt guilty, but they were going to dine in a ditch, which they did, but they felt so guilty about it that they went back in and said they would work, work it off. So she ends up there. Um, it's just kind of this relationship between a uh, mother and daughter and hard times and um, a mother that's trying to get it together. Um, and she meets someone where she's, Luke Wilson is in it. Um, she meets him. Nice guy. It's probably not your bag, I'm going to say. I don't know if anybody's bag in here. I don't know. I'm just saying I watched. It seems like a Hallmark movie right now. Right. It was definitely not. A motion picture on screen. It wasn't a wide release. No. I don't even know if it did. I just know that um, I watched it. It kept my attention enough, probably because I like Katie. Um, and I wanted to see what she did with this role. And there was something about... How'd you, how'd you run across it? The daughter. As I looked up Katie Holmes, what movie she'd been doing. Because she did that excellent movie, Touched with Fire. And I thought she was fantastic in that. And I wanted to see what she was doing after Tom and was able to allow herself to just kind of grow. 
you know what I mean? Um, so since she wasn't able to do the Dark Knight because his movie was coming out at the same time, so anyway, that's my conspiracy theory about that was that she was not able to do it because his movie was coming out at the same time. Anyway, um, not picking on Tom. Don't know him personally, but <clears throat> when you have to get a when you have to get a throwaway phone and rent an apartment that he doesn't know about to escape, there might be some little hints. Speaking of Tom, because he came up, <laughs> um, this was news out of the last three weeks. Uh, he halted production on Top Gun two so he can go learn how to fly a fighter pilot. No doubt. <laughs> I thought we already did this in Top Gun 1. Uh, apparently not. I don't think he did. I, I don't think, think he started doing his own stunts until after Top Gun. Okay. No, he's one of those people where... I think he, the first stunt he ever did himself was the one in Mission Impossible okay. 1 where he broke through the fish And thing. he's known the gum for... The fish tank scene makes me laugh every time. He's known for that. He's known for his kindness, his goodness, his how nice he is. You know, because um, Kendra was talking about um, people that were mean on set and how sometimes that is their safety guard on set. And I was saying that it's possible that people use niceness, like how nice they are, look how nice I am, blah, 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 so that people don't really dig deep and you know what realize I mean? that he's a monster behind the curtain. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, some people think Magnolia Mackie is kind of his real personality, God. but that's just what I've been hearing from other people. Now. Really? Yeah, that his he's that aggressive and that assertive, but he dials it back. Did he get nominated back. for that? I don't know. I can find out. I later. thought he was good in that. I thought he was, I mean, he has had some good roles, I will admit, but he, and I think he's entertaining and we go see his movies. I don't know why, but we do. He's entertaining. Um, and I had the biggest crush on this man. Well, he was married to Nicole Kidman. He was nominated, yes. And because he keeps coming up, the other piece of news, seeing that this is, like, I forgot all the news of the last three weeks, he is not going to be in the future Jack Reacher. Fine. Because he's too short, according to the creator of Jack Reacher. The art, um, I never the, was a Jack Reacher fan. Lee, is it Lee Childs? I think is the... The Arthur author. Anyways, he's too small and diminutive for the character for Reacher, but Reacher is going to be made into a uh, series that's either going to be coming out on Amazon or Netflix. So there's that. Yes, Lee Child. I was not a huge fan of Jack Reacher. Did you guys like Jack Reacher? Mm. I thought the movies sucked. Mm. Just going out there. Anyway, so I just want to say that this movie, <laughs> um, if you're a fan of Katie, watch it. If not, don't. I think you can skip it. Um, and if you really want to see something that she's in that's really good, um, just go see uh, Dawson's Ooh. Creek. Go. Touched with Fire. <laughs> that's a good movie, too. Uh, Justin Kirk's in that. Not Justin Kirk. Is he Justin Kirk? Touched with Fire. No. Um, really Lee, do- sorry. Go we ahead. talked about this movie beforehand. <laughs> yes. I keep getting him and Justin Kirk confused. Give me a second. Kirk the, Cameron? No. Um, <laughs> he was <laughs> in. That's the other fire. No. He was in Take This Waltz. He's Canadian. And we he's talked a really about good this actor. movie yes. during um, our mental illness one. Yes. So, um, Touch With Fire, I would go see this one. You know, if you're a Katie fan, it's not horrible to Luke watch. Kirby. <clears throat> but, you know, you're not missing too much. I, she adapted it from a book that she obviously loved. 
I think we should just read the book. There we go. So go read the book. Skip it. Skip it. Go watch a different Katie Holmes movie. Touch with fire. Go see, what is that, season three when she tries to or get Batman with Pacey. Begins. Or go. She and Pacey. Or, you know, um, one that I really liked her in was one of my favorite movies, which is called The Ice Storm. Mm. The Ice Storm. Have you seen it? Mm. Who else is in it? A lot. Of people. I'm not kidding. Joshua Lucas. Am I saying that's right? Um, No. Not Joshua. Yeah. Joshua Lucas is in it. And the one Batman. The earliest Batman. The second. Who is he called? Toby Toby McGuire's in it. Wait, Spider-Man? Spider-Man. That's what I meant. (laughs) Sorry, guys. Um, Spider-Man. Uh, Toby Maguire is in it, and Sigourney Weaver is in it, and I mean, it is a cat. It is chock full of people, and um, if you want to see a good indie flick, and you want to feel a little, it's not uplifting, but it's really interesting to watch. Um, and I watch it probably every the other year. I own it, of course, but yeah, I would definitely. Encourage people to see that movie. But not this movie. <laughs> no. Okay. Not this movie. Okay, so moving on. All right, so moving on. Um, as I said, I had a ton of stuff to choose from over the last three weeks, which I'll talk about later. Um, but the one that floated to the top was the one we saw yesterday, so I'm just going to throw that one out there. And it's topical. It's Ralph Breaks the Internet, basically Wreck-It Ralph 2. Um where Sarah Silverman and John C. Riley reprised their roles in a follow-up to the original Wreck-It Ralph uh, six years later. Is it is the original good? Original is okay. Okay. Um, we talked about I honestly don't remember too much about the first one. And when they threw out a line, it was like, oh, we've been together for six years. I just like, huh, has it really been six years? And then as we were on the way home, the girls were like, "Yeah, it's been six years since the other film." I'm just like, "It did. wow, that it's crazy how fat that's half of one of my child's life, right there." Um, anyways, uh, so the cast and creative team return for the the same film. Uh, a couple new voices in this one. You got Gail Godot, aka Wonder Woman, uh, shows up as a race car driver called Shank. Really, well, yeah. Because a lot of the new stuff is all based on, uh, they're in the internet, so internet-based games and uh, Are the names. games real? Are the games real? Well, okay, so the first one was based off of, am I wrong, of um, video games? Yeah, so the, the real, first one okay. takes off of arcade games, and that's where we start with. Those were real arcade games? Most of them, not all of them. Okay, so... The like internet, some of them are real and some of them Felix are Felix the Fixer is kind of Mario, but they don't have... Okay. You can't get the rights to Mario because uh, I'm not sure if Nintendo owns it or somebody else owns it and leases it to Nintendo. It's just that... So they created Felix the Fixer, who basically looks like Mario, but... Okay. Whatever. And um, so fast forward, the arcade gets internet, also known as Wi-Fi. 
and <laughs> they figure out a way to go into the internet to basically save. Um, I can't even remember her name. The little girls, Candy Crush girls, uh, game which had been broken because they had to go to eBay to get a steering wheel to fix it, and so they devised this plan of going into the internet and finding eBay. And so you go into the internet and you're all of a sudden barraged by like, oh, there's Facebook. Oh, there's Google. There's like all these name brand things that you think of the internet. They're all over the place. And it's just this big old world and atmosphere. What's it rated? I think G. Really? I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't. And the first one is G2 as well? I mean, they're they're 100% geared to kid. I mean, it's not okay. geared to adult. Well, I was just seeing if the girls could watch it. Oh, yeah. There's nothing in there that would... I mean, there's maybe one throwaway line that I was like, oh, that was geared towards adults, but it goes by so quickly. And it was more of like (laughs) the showing, like the how you get barraged by ads, like weird ads that pop up Ah. like that all the time. Well, they have actual characters that are walking around with signs that are like, hi, I'm a pop-up, hi, I'm a pop-up. And they just keep in front of him. And one of them is like... uh, meet ladies or something like that. And okay. I was like, oh, I'm kind of shocked that they threw that in there, but it worked. Got it. Um, it's funny. It has its moments. Um, if you've got kids, take it, go and see it. If you don't. Oh, this is in the theater. Yes. Just opened up this week. Okay. Um, it's got enough hilarity in it to be worthy of going seeing it, especially in comparison to what else is come into the theaters lately there's not a whole lot that's been uh good so question this is random and i apologize for just throwing this in but uh can you call a theater directly this might be interesting for other people though can you call cinemark uh town directly and ask how long a movie is going to be in the imax studio as 2d or they know? Or are they just going to go on how many They probably people are know, but tickets? I don't know if they would tell you. Why? And do they sell tickets for movies that have not even been... We're doing a... So we're going to do something where we would want to buy tickets beforehand, but the tickets aren't even available yet. And we want to make sure that we get those tickets. Pre-sale? Yes, but the... They don't have that date yet. So if you're going in and you're saying, hi, we're kind of having a little party. Can we do that? Does anybody know? I don't think that. I mean, Fandango is what I use most of the time for my, and I wanted to get um, recipe tickets, and I couldn't get them until they were, the movie was actually released, and then I had to wait until the next week to get. Well, Cinemark, I mean, there are, there are some Cinemark, things that do pre-sale, but not all. If you go pre-sale. to Fandango, the Cinemark, Will give you more choices for their stu- for them than Fandango will. If you go to Cinemark, mm. but we're Cinemark Tinseltown people because I have, I don't know, I like going out there because it feels like mm-hmm. an event. Um, but uh, I just wondered if you if like we could find out how long a movie was going to be in IMAX. What movie are you thinking about in particular? Mary Poppins. Probably a while. Mary Poppins. Um, I don't think it would be there for a while. I mean, most stuff you usually have a two-week run if they're lucky. Well, what's it? Um, 
Ryan Gosling, Harrison Ford. Blade Runner. Blade Runner was there for... But it also opened up at a time when there wasn't a lot of other movies that would have kicked it out. Okay. All rental, right. Unfortunately, what's happening right now is there's a bunch of stuff one right after another. Like Bohemian Rhapsody was an IMAX that got kicked out by Fantastic Beast. Fantastic Beast is going to get kicked out by... Aquaman would be the next one that's coming in. When is that coming out? Aquaman is the 12th, I think. 12. But there might even be something else. You in think between it'll still there. be there next weekend? Which one? Fantastic Beast? And 2D. I don't know what else. I don't have a list in front of me of what else is I coming out. need to out. go out and talk to him because we can't. Generally, you can, you can judge by looking at like what are the releases for the next couple of weeks. Is there something big that's coming out? Like I know. Aquaman is the 21st. I think everything comes out on the 21st. There's like five movies that open on the 21st. Um, but yeah, it's like looking at and seeing what. The 21st of? December. Okay, so it might be safe. But we also have Bumblebee opens up at the same time, so. Anyway, just sorry. That's going to be an interesting one. Who's going to put Aquaman or Bumblebee? It's Transformers. Oh, oh, right. Bumblebee. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I, but so that's yeah, if you got kids and you like the first Wreck-It Ralph, <coughs> go and see it. If you haven't seen the first Wreck-It Ralph, I don't know how much enjoyment you're going to get out of the second one, other than it mocking a lot of the internet and okay. our reliance on the internet and hmm. the stupidity of it. Okay, Tony. All right, so um, I was on Netflix a lot, you know, being sick and all and watching the kids and watching them get sick and that kind of thing. And um, I heard about uh, Chuck Lorre had a new show coming out on Netflix and that our great uh, Michael Douglas was going to be producing with him and that wound up being the Kaminsky method. I was interested in this as well. So I, in case you guys are wondering, I have a thing where I like to watch older people on screen. I started with the Golden Girls. It's been going ever since. I don't know. It's not like laugh out loud funny for me. It's more like a little tickle that I get in my... <laughs> You know, it makes me laugh. It's amusing. So, um, yeah. So, in case you're wondering, the Kaminsky Method came out on November 16th. Um, it's a comedy. It's on Netflix. It's eight episodes long. It's uh, about 24 to 28 minutes long. So, your typical TV sitcom is about 30 minutes. But you take out the commercials, it winds up being about 22, 24, 26 minutes. Um, What's it on? It's on Netflix? It's on Netflix. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, eight episodes. It goes by very quickly. Um, we have the I great these people. Michael Douglas. We have uh, Alan Arkin, who was in Little Miss Sunshine, as mm-hmm. always, the grandfather, the Spitfire. We have uh, Sarah Baker, who I've been following for a while since seeing her on um, Louie, uh, which she's kind of blown me away with her acting skills and what she can do. And her just unabandoned, just goes out and just throws everything out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Alexander Payne uses someone similar to her, but I thought they were the same person for a while, but they're not. But Sarah, <laughs> Sarah Parker's, you know, in my book is a little bit uh, more engaging for me. Uh, we have Nancy Travis as well, but it's a well-rounded cast. And basically we're talking about two older gentlemen who are in their, you know, their later years. Um, Sandy is the character that Michael Douglas plays. He's the acting coach. thus the, you know, Comiskey method. And Sarah is his, plays his daughter. On Arkin plays his best friend and also his talent agent manager who has this conglomerate size big building in LA downtown where he's a talent manager. And he actually owns the building, so he's fairly well off. And basically, Norman, Arkin's character's name is Norman. Norman's wife dies of cancer in the first episode. 
And the thing I like about this series is I, again, used to Golden Girls. I'm used to amusing, funny, witty, sharpness. And then you get the gut punch. So in every episode, there's the uplifting and you feeling excited and funny. And then they hit you with the reality of the situation. So Sandy and Norma are going through their later years in their life. Then with death, dating again, erectile dysfunction, talking about that kind of thing. Things that you think that older people don't think about, but they think about all the time. And their lives and longevity. Cool. And IRS audits and things like that. Um, I find it very, very entertaining. I like the 24 minutes. Yeah. Because that's about all I have in me. Yeah. Unless in the I mean, you keep watching it. And I like that it's on the internet. And you can, um, how does Ryan call that? It's not adjustment. What do you do? You binge. So you can easily, I watch this all in one day. So I would probably watch it in eight days. Yeah. So <laughs> it works. I mean, I mean, after the first episode is wow. And I, again, I also like shows about acting and about how actors think and why they think the way they do. And uh, Sandy That's cool. does a lot of acting class moments too, where he's teaching and engaging. Um, little so tidbit. Kendra would like this one. She would actually like submissions only. Um, Hilly Joel Osment's sister is in this. If you look for her, she's in it. Featured a lot in this as well. I didn't know he had a sister, but his younger sister, baby sister, is. Man, her she her face looks identical. to Yeah, her. I was like, is that? Yeah, and I found out it is. Um, just a lot of good acting, a lot of political charged moments in it, but it stays light for the most part. Um, yeah, I would say watch this because if you like Michael Douglas, Ellen Arkin, Sarah, or just. Older people being themselves, and again, I like that it's on Netflix. There's no censor, so there's f bombs, and just they're just dropping words left and right, and there's just no abandon. They don't care. They're just expressing themselves, and that's what I want to see. Um, yeah, there's a lot of father daughter moments in it that are touching. Um, Norman's daughter actually is a um, she's a prescription medicine addict, so there's a common thread where they're kind of you know dealing with that and taking her to rehab. Um, well, spoiler alert for you. The funeral for Norman's wife is just totally utter, you know, ridiculous, but in a good way. They have Jay Leno, who pops up and does the eulogy. We have Patti LaBelle. We have um, Robert Streisand, you know, lookalike on there. Just his wife wanted had so many demands for her funeral, and they did the best to fulfill her wishes. Um, so it's tickling, has a good heart to it, and I think that everyone should watch it. And... If you can get past the first episode, I say watch the second one. If you can't get past that one, then you, you're done. But I like it, and it keeps moving, and it kept me engaged throughout. Fun. And Valerie just erased. What did he erase? No, I didn't. Hmm? You erased your all I had. I did. <laughs> I don't know how this happened. Undo? Undo? Just to undo it. I can do it. That's interesting that they did 24 minutes. Yeah, me too. I was, But I don't know if that's by... <laughs> With those two guys. Yeah. It could be their age and playing a factor in it. I don't know, but it was good. I mean, it, I think it longer... I mean, I'm not really a fan of Chuck Lorre, which I should be, but I'm not. But this is actually was the first time I said, wow, this is actually good work from him. And it could be that Michael was helping produce it too, but the writing was top-notch. I think it had... It wasn't like I said. I don't like Laugh Out Loud funny. Golden Girls was, but that's different. This was amusing to me, and I was able to laugh lightly. A lot of smiling, so. And Danny DeVito's in it, too, in a very awkward scene in one of the episodes, too. So just, like, little, you know, pop-ups of actors you like, and if you know Chuck Lorre shows, you know his he has his people come in and do cameo appearances and things like that. So I was entertained. Cool. Question? 
No, I don't want to sound. It seems silly. No, no, no. Go no, for no, it. No, no, go. Ask, please. Chuck Lorre. Gong? No, it's not the same guy. No, that's... Uh, his name is Chuck, too. Okay. Never mind. He just that. died, I think, didn't he? Well, we'll move on. Since it's not the, the right the person. Game, the guy behind the, behind the, the game show. The show. Oh, um, I know you're talking about that. Uh, okay, don't worry about it. The guy it. used to work, for, was it the CIA or... Right, I'm sorry. Moving on. Um, to answer your IMAX question, Mary Ponspitz will not be an IMAX because it, it opens the same week as Aquaman and Bumblebee. And it right is now, an IMAX. It it's will not IMAX. be an IMAX because IMAX is already on there for Aquaman. I already have it showing at IMAX on the 22nd. Hmm. Because I just opened it up and it was, IMAX was Aquaman. In 2D. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter. Interesting. Doesn't it really matter? Okay. (laughs) Okay, well, I'm just going to do a quick, if you would like, please. This is kind of a giveaway. You're getting a month. Um, You get a free audio book. So I don't understand why you wouldn't take advantage of audibletrial.com slash cultural stew. Just go on there. You get a month free. You get a free audio book. If you don't like it, you can cancel. But you don't get very many free things in this world. So if cultural stew is trying to give you a gift for the holidays, audibletrial.com slash cultural stew, go. Okay, there's my ad. Today's stew is brought to you by Sir Anthony Carter. <laughs> Hi. So here's the thing. Um, I watch a lot of movies. We all watch. I don't know why I say things like that. We all watch a lot of movies, don't we? We do. We, we do. do. Yeah. <laughs> well, there are some that watch a lot of movies, and then there are some that don't watch a lot of movies. So is that you, Ron? The a lot? I don't know. I mean, I think if, we from all the do. outside, people would say that. I watch too much. I think that from the outside, they would say we all watch too much. Right. Yeah. Okay. So um, now we're going to talk about film color. More like not black and white, the color, because that's a whole thing. And I wrote a whole thing about history of film color, but you can go to Wikipedia. It's there for you. I don't want to bore you. And I don't want to bore myself. So. But there's some people that don't know it, but I just think it's interesting. uh, There's a couple things that are just a couple tidbits. Okay. Let me give you a little short little thing here. Okay. So um, to sum it up. Film color grading is not a mistake. A lot of us put a lot of effort into that in editing and post. It, it helps you express feelings. It can help things like understand differences. Like in our favorite war film that came out, Dunkirk. It's like color grading lets you know where you are, what story you're in, slightly, if you're not paying attention, which you should be able to figure it out. But if you're not, certain things let you know. So we had black and white. Black and white we had for a while. And Until 1902. Yes. And then we got sound a little bit after that, and we couldn't balance the two until Technicolor came out. But, but it's hard. They yeah. were that they worked hard on those color movies. Yeah, Eastman has a whole basement full of those. Yeah, you tutorials. Should, yeah, we should go a little cool. Eastman tour and do a live action podcast for that too. Uh, sponsorship. So um, here's <laughs> the thing. Um, I watch a lot of movies, and I see a lot of color differences. I think uh, we had a little chat about this online. Um, uh, Valerie put the question online, and one of her friends mentioned Saving Private Ryan, which I think is one of the first in-your-face moments where I saw bleach bypass done. In case you're not wondering, that's when you take the image and you de- um, Carrie Welch. Desaturate it. Desaturate it a lot. 
to the point where it becomes stark. And that's where the shaky cam came from. Um, not from, but that's where it was used a lot. Uh, Spielberg's cinematographer used that a lot in that film to ground us in the reality of the moment that we were in a war zone and that this was what PTSD could feel like. But that's a sensory feeling, not sight. Um, so yeah, color in that film did away with the rich hues of the environment and brought us to that real like intense feeling of, I call it paleness because when I see bleach bypass, I think this is us scared or afraid or stark in our fight or flight mode. And that whole film was one big fight or flight mode. So when you saw them on the beach in Normandy, you saw that, you saw the skin, you saw the blood, you saw everything just out of their faces, but you saw the, the fear and their faces symbolize that because they were pale. Yes. Um, we have other films like that. We have um, Moulin Rouge, which is a lot of reds, which I'm going to go backwards a little bit. Dick Tracy, uh, Warren Beatty's film, used a lot of red and yellows and greens and primary colors, so to speak, because it was comic book like, yes, but they wanted us to feel that sense. Um, a lot uh, of that was in the it, costuming, though. Yeah, that, that too. came from the, the, co- the comic yeah. book. So that's popping out at you, too. Um, Moonlight recently used a lot of dark blues and blacks. And Valerie, did you get a chance to see that yet? Moonlight? Soon. We have to get, grab her and get her sit down know. and watch it. I don't know. It I, has, I mean, I just don't know. You'll get there. You'll get there. I mean, I have nothing. I have no problem with, I guess, uh, would you say homosexuality of the mm. film? I have a problem with the uh, abuse of the film. Okay. In the film. If there's a lot of abuse... Is there a lot of abuse? I wouldn't say there's a lot, Ron. I, I, I just the 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 clip that they showed at the Oscars was enough for me to think. I just don't think this is my film. Do you want to read it first? No. Okay, I have to rewatch it in detail. I don't think it's that heavy, but that's just me. Kendra and, saw it, yeah. and she thought that I should watch it. You should. Okay. And Dustin enjoyed it. I, I mean, not it's enjoyed about it. people. It is. Okay. So, so we have her on. And relationships. Okay. Okay. I mean, it can't be any worse than 13. No. 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 <laughs> okay. Then I can do it. We have, uh, moving on, we have Amelie, which is color saturated, like to perfection, where we see Paris in a way that's never been, because that's not how Paris really is, but it's the fantasy of Paris. So we have vibrant colors all over the place in that film. Um, we have, um, I guess what my dad and I have go back and forth on this one and Ron, I think can chime in the latest crop of superhero films in our generation are darker, like take Christopher Reeves. Um, Superman was bright and popping. Then we have, uh, Elfman's Batman with Keaton, which is dark, but still bright. Well, it's interesting when you come from grading because I mean, grading came about because it was another way for directors and editors to induce a subliminal message Mm -hmm. by putting a tone into it. You actually literally and figuratively actually can set the tone by just visually what you're doing. Right. And so when it came to comic books, you know, you, you grow up with comic books that are all about color and popping off the page. And yeah, you, you had the early Superman that was, you know, I wouldn't even say it's bright colors. I mean, it was just the style of the day. Right. 
I mean, there was no color treatment for it. It was just, that's what it was. Um, when DC started, uh, I mean, they, they started it out with Tim Burton's film. Right. You know, they went a darker route, but they still had the bright colors of the Joker and right. uh, the villain-esque things. But everything that was hero-esque was pulled back and dark. Carry that on into the Dark Knight trilogy, which brought things even darker. Right. Um, and it wasn't a high grade on it. It was a very subdued treatment, but it right. was still noticeable enough. And when they switched into the newest batch of DC stuff, they're really pulled yeah. back in in muting the colors and making everything a little bit darker and the shadows are darker. Now, flip side of that, you go over to the MCU universe and things are brighter. Yeah. But also the tone is, even when it's a dark tone, it's still a yeah. thing. It's not the end of the world tone, whereas DC went the other way. It's a dark tone. It's the end of the world, you know, kind of making those things. But are they trying it's to- really, it's, it's hard with comic books to try to find, like, where does that balance lie? Right. I think Watchmen did it well. Yes. I think Watchmen's grading, it was back to that, little bit of desaturation with the occasional pop in color. Because you're you wanting have. it to look like the, the comic book? Depends on the director's interpretation. Like, I, I think the director, Zack Snyder, when he took the DC stuff, he wanted to create a darker, grittier universe that they thought was appealing because of what Christopher Nolan did with the Dark Knight saga, which was a little bit darker and grounded to reality. But in Marvel Universe, they wanted to kind of give it, you know, not everything's dark, not everything's... I call I, I equate that to Buffy versus Angel, which uh, sorry, but uh, Angel was dark and brooding and depressive, and uh, and Buffy was light and had dark moments, but it's still we can make fun of ourselves. We can have fun while Angel was more adult. Is adult my word? I say more mature audiences, even though it came from the same place. So Marvel has, I mean, even in uh, Infinity War, they were they were you know fighting Thanos and almost dying, but they were still having a good time doing it while when Batman and all of them were fighting Steppenwolf, it was just serious, like yeah. very, and it's... Can I back us up? Go ahead. Okay. Can I back us up? You yeah, might... I was going to say something. I was just going to... Okay, go ahead. Um, I mean, you have, you have color treatment and then you have usage of certain specific types of color. Right. And I think you hit upon one with Moulin Rouge right. earlier. And that's Baz Luhrmann. Right. Baz Luhrmann. All know, red. He's got the red, you know, strictly ballroom and the red that just pops up. Mm-hmm. Um, and the green. And the green. But it's the red that sticks out to me over all the years. And it's just that that sultry. Saturation. Sexy. Well, you Romeo Juliet. So. so. That was him too. Mm-hmm. I feel like uh, we're skipping over films that are like Amelie you mentioned. Yes. Which. That's, Have you seen Emily? Yeah. Okay. Didn't like it, but I saw it. Okay. <laughs> Pauses. Sorry. Okay. Um, I think anybody out there that has no problem, uh, it's a French film. I think it's worth a watch. Uh, but they use color in such a wonderful way. I mean, they use it to create the atmosphere, the Bill's sympathy, they use it for her um, showing uh, of her childhood 
and using the bright reds and the greens. And they, I mean, they use it all throughout the film. The film is gorgeous just to be able to watch. I feel like if you are interested in color, an interesting film. Um, this is a French film, so are there are tub- tub- subtitles. Get over it. Get over it. But it is a gorgeous movie. It came out in 2001. Um, it's, gosh, my friend Lisa Corley's favorite movie for years. You have an extension of that, though, with the picture that won last year for oh, yeah, yeah, yes. Shape of Water, where yeah. you use the green I agree. and watery colors to a very deep extent and everything. Yes. And did, go ahead. No, go ahead. I've been listening. No, I didn't know if I was going to recommend no, no, the movie, fine. but um, you should go ahead. But yeah, I mean, there, there's that too. Then you have One Hour Photo, um, which oh, Robin Williams, yes. which uses a lot of color. I mean, emulating film emulsion processes and, and whatnot. Grain. Yeah. So um, that there's a lot of color choices that you can use in editing and post, as well as just your art direction. I think is the word I want to use for that. Your production design, choosing what colors you want to focus on and how they mean. Like I. When I think of Schindler's List, I think of the red balloon. Um, so it's just That's certain things. Yeah, you know. think read the red balloon, so did Kendra. Well, the girl in the red dress. I thought of the girl in the red dress. So and That's a way of pulling the... Eye pops. Yes, your eye focuses on these things and you remember them forever. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess what I'm wondering is... Does color really hit you like they intend, or does it so ingrained in it that it doesn't matter to you? Does it? Do you find yourself thinking differently when you realize it versus? I would like to have somebody who's colorblind be able to answer. That's that exactly question. what I said. So I was okay. I was thinking about um, even like I went really deep into this this morning. I was just thinking about how I hate the fact that um, Republicans and Democrats have colors attached to them. But I was reminded we have animals attached to them as well. I just when you go into when you go into vote, it's just a black and white val- ballot with Republican Democrat on there. You know what I mean? And actually, I think I read that red and blue were not even chosen until the year I want to say two thousand, um, because of the hues of televisions, and they were flip flopped for a long time. So it, it's just interesting how, but we grow up. With these ideas, you know, green grass in, in blue is the color of the sky. We have red, which is like warning, stop. I mean, when you're little, you come up with these colors. Even on a, uh, a simplistic scale, you're going back to the black and white films. All right. One of the simplest ways when they were making black and white films to tell between the good guys and the bad guys was black, black, black character, not black characters. People dressed in black were the bad guys. People dressed in white were the good guys. Mm-hmm. And that extended into Westerns. Even when they became in, in color, they still, if you saw a guy wearing a white hat, he was the good guy. You saw a guy wearing a black hat, he was. The recently released Coen Brothers, now you talk about color, Coen Brothers, Oh Brother, Where Out There, was probably yes. one of the ones that I think of the most for color. Either, they were the first ones. It's, um, it's a saturation. Right. Um, it's a desaturation just enough, but they colorized the actual film at, at certain points to uh, accentuate. But anyways, they They were released... the first ones to use all digital color. Yeah, and it, I think it's a phenomenal movie. I love their, their look of that movie. Um, but in their latest release on uh, Netflix, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, they actually have a comment commentary about that because the main character is wearing all white. 
Okay. And he sings a song about just because I'm wearing all white doesn't mean I'm a good guy, basically. And he goes around basically killing the the people. And you like realize, well, just because he's dressed as a good guy doesn't mean he's a good guy. Flip script. And so there's so many different types yeah. of film and how they try to manipulate you or not manipulate you or try to get you to feel certain things uh, or try to tell the story, which I think is kind of cool. Like um, when I think about a movie that really had so much color in it, it was, I couldn't, was What Dreams May Come was saturated with color. Um, There's a big one on here. Um, I don't know who put it on there. Wizard of Oz. I did, yes. Um, and the excellent use of like taking that from a black and white film and then as soon as she goes into Oz, it becomes a color film. Right. Um, yeah. Using it in a way that's effective. Well, that's the thing is uh, Trisha and I are going to talk about this when her moment of influence pops up when she is available. So Trisha, you're hearing this. I need you to come in and record. She likes Pleasantville, which is Tobey Maguire and... That. Um, that's the limited palette. Who's in that? Jeff Kirsten, Daniels. Kirsten, Kirsten Dunst. Dunst. Yes. That's the same. Yeah, limited palette. The black and white with a little bit of color. With yeah. Schindler's yellow. List and Sin City. So Is it yellow and red? I think she's going to Black, gonna white, me. yellow and red? Yeah, she's going to kill me. But yeah, uh, the thing is that shooting in black and white is not easy because you have to think about what you're doing and how it's going to look and I've actually tried to watch Moulin Rouge in black and white on my TV which uh, oh, is kind of awkward but it worked um, yeah a lot of films I, a lot of them like Black Panther in black and white and some Marvel films in black and white that is very interesting it's just really weird because it's yeah. not meant to be that way but the Coen brothers did a, a black and white experiment with um, a the series. man from nowhere with um that sounds familiar. Uh, Billy Bob Thornton. Yes. Obviously, and it was shot in black and white. There's a lot of people, there's a lot of things that are shot in black and white that shouldn't be. That I wonder why. But, um, and Tim Burton is known for his colors, but then he has these movies that he takes out the color in order to get you the grittiness, like Sweeney Todd doesn't have. As many colors as, you know, for instance, like Beetlejuice or Charlie and the Chocolate Factory or whatever. Um, and then Vertigo uses colors to signify certain characters. Red is for caution. Green is for envy, um, which is the same colors, red and green, which um, then they talked about how orange and green are big in these in, in movies right now because mm-hmm. orange get, makes the colors pop of the skin with the green backgrounds. Uh, they use it in Wonder Woman. There's a um, there's an interesting. I wish I had the access to it right now. Of somebody did a a gathering of uh, movie posters, and yeah. you can tell just by the colors that you use on a movie poster what the movie's genre is is hmm. oh yes and orange and blue are typical of action movies mm-hmm. and, it'd be, and it's like <laughs> and that that's the michael bay effect Bayham. <laughs> like uh the matrix of course uses yes all greens. different colors um but it's the greens that you remember it is it's the most obvious the most famous it's because it's in every scene Mm. is tinted green um 
the blue is the real world of Zion and the yellow is the world of machines. Um, but they have like this, <laughs> I don't know if people really got into it. The yellow, um, which is that of the spirit in the matrix universe, the matron city, the analog, the heaven, the architect of the ant. And Nagalus, and now this, give me, and I can't think of that, to God, a certain kind of God, and uh, red, the symbol of, cor- of corruption, evil, and hell. I mean, it's just full of colors. And our two pills that you have to choose from. Red and blue. Right. So that, well, that everybody kind of gives uh kudos for something it didn't create but we can go into that the film motion wasn't created there yeah i I mean i think to go back to your original thing i think there's many ways of of how people use that color and it's what is their output for it is it to set a tone so that subliminally you're watching something and you're feeling affected by it or is it to give you those little hints at the story by painting like things with certain colors so that you can like, if you're really paying attention, like, Oh, like all the pieces start coming together. Like, Oh, that was green. That was green. That was that. All this is this storyline and putting those things together. I think both. I don't want to see. Okay. Alexander Payne. Don't get mad at me, Alexander. I'm just going to say it out. He uh, (laughs) shot Nebraska. I don't don't think we've made it that, that far yet. Uh, Nebraska, uh, his recent after before mm-hmm. downsizing was shot in black and white. It really wasn't shot in black and white. He shot in color, and he has the film in color, and he won't release it. And there's a black and white version. And I still to this day I do not understand why he shot that, or released that in black and white. I I get Nebraska, and I he says me about he wants the pacing to feel slower with black and white. And but for me, it felt very gimmicky because it could have been in color. It would have been fine. It really could have been. Uh, that's my. That's the only film he's ever done where I question his artistic choice. But uh, on the other hand of that, watching Fargo, which is my favorite Cohen film, um, I watched that in black and white, and it's, it's the same as being color, and it's I feel more engaging for me watching black and white than in color. But that's just strange me saying. But um, yeah, I would think we should probably. I'm gonna see if we can find someone's colorblind. We could probably ask that on I the interwebs. I was saying see. the same thing. I mean, the color blindness, um, because the colors and their meanings in psychology. I mean, I think it could really depend on the person. I mean, but they have them broken down into what they mean psychologically for people. I don't know how many people they decided they're going to ask. Yeah, I. It it's interesting. I don't know. Because... Look like even like a series like Daredevil, like yeah. the first seri- the first season of Daredevil, even deep into the blacks of the shadows, there was red, and they put red filter almost on everything that was in the black, so that it was always there. It was always creeping. Like Daredevil was supposed to come out of the shadows. It was like their little their little play on it, and it's like if you're colorblind, <laughs> you're know. missing this little piece, but. I mean, I think that happens with a lot, many different disabilities. That I think uh, I hate to bring this movie up: the cook, the thief, his wife, and her lover. I don't know if you've ever seen it. If you mm-hmm. haven't, don't. 
Um, Why? Thanks for that recommendation. It brings a lot of color into it. It, it uses a color to tell the story. I watched that movie when I was 17 or 16, and I picked it up and I watched it with my mom. Mm, By mm-mm. myself with my mom. Mm-mm. Okay. Mm-mm. So if you, I mean, it's weird. Um, and then they had the, um, now weren't the movies that were, um, they were directed by, is it called Four Rooms? That were directed by four different. So you mean uh, Tarantino and Rodriguez and two others? Well, mm-hmm. Each room was a different color, correct? Am I right? Uh, oh, talking about colors, there's another director that uses colors. His red and yellow, Tarantino. Well, Wes Craven uses tons of color, as we already discussed. He uses lots of red. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Click, click, picture, moment, gone. Um, yeah. um, Wes Craven, blood. Well, yes. <laughs> well, yes. Um, I just watched a West Craven, a West Craven movie. Halloween. Uh-huh. Last House on the Left. Um, I watched the ending, ending of it. He helped with it. Is that right? Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, um, I think that was West Craven because we were talking about. It. Oh, look, look, it's West Craven. Um, but. Does it affect me? Yeah, it does. It affects uh, how I feel about the movie. It affects because, yes, when you see when you see the little girl in red and she's in the pile, it has a huge effect on you. You know what I mean? It it singles out. You don't realize that you get so used to watching so many people walk by and for them to single out somebody in red. I'm talking about Schindler's List and I apologize um, for them to single somebody out so that you kind of understand that these are individuals. Even if it's a little girl, it could have been anybody it wouldn't have bothered me. Um, I think that causes an effect. I mean, I don't know. I feel like uh, Moulin Rouge, the brightness of it is what I think of. It's just so bright. And the the um, absinthe. Absinthe? Absinthe. Absinthe. Which I've had some, by the way. It's a quiet um, taste. It's green. Mm-hmm. Which I was expecting, but it wasn't. Um, but I feel like... Definitely, um, I watched movies a lot. I, mean, I watched a lot of TV shows in black and white. I watched Lassie in black and white. I watched my my you know Happy Days was I watched did I watch Happy Days in black and white. I drew and Jeannie was in black and white originally. Yeah, and I watched um, my three sons in black and white, and I watched you know I watched a lot of things in black and white, and they still affected me, and I. Um, I still love watching movies in black and white. Zoe loves black and white movies. There's a, this interesting thing that happened with the, the older black and white stuff, and it happened a lot with like photographs and early um, war footage. And I think that's where Spielberg was going with that, is we have a very disassociative feeling because when we see something in black and white, it's like, oh, it's old. And if that's the way it was filmed, our minds get into like, oh, everything is in black and white. That's the way it was. 
And when you throw that little bit of color in, it's like, oh, wait, that gives a little bit of a more realness. There is, and I'm just going to close off our discussion here so we can move on. There is a series coming up on, I don't know if that's being released on Netflix, but Peter Jackson took a whole bunch of World War I footage. And it's, I think it's called The Way We Were. And he went through and they took all this old black and white footage from um, World War One and actually colorized it. And you'll, you're watching the black and white and then all of a sudden the black and white converts into a fully colored. And it's just watching the stuff I saw from the trailer it was just like, whoa. Because you all of a sudden you, you lose that disassociative of like, oh, this is just war footage and you don't become connected to it. And then there's something about all of a sudden there's color and there's flesh tone and you're like, oh, this is, it's a different, completely different feeling. Um, but we'll put a link to that one in there. I think that's a, an important one to discuss about color. And I think that's kind of what Spielberg was touching a little bit on just by adding just a little drop of color. It just all of a sudden brings us into it in a way that we weren't expecting. Gone with the Wind does a really good job with that as well, which was the same year. They shall not grow old. The same year. I think it's funny because it's Scarlet. Her name was Scarlet. Yeah. And then they have Bonnie Boo Butler as their daughter. <laughs> and then just the coloring of that movie and is beautiful too. I watched that a lot when I was growing up. But I feel like uh, it definitely affects people in different ways. And they show uh, certain films in different colors to show you how manipulative it is. The music, the color, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's all it's all up to the director too, so that's pretty amazing too to see. Unless the producer steps in and says, hey, <laughs> editor, do this to it. True. I know. I just like <laughs> to think that the director gets to... All right, so what's our next show and topic? Our next show and topic. Okay, so I was thinking about this. That sounded weird. Next show topic. Our next show topic. Okay, so I'm asking out. But I'm asking the guys in the theater, but I'm asking everyone. So what films did you see at a young age that's like loving and under that maybe didn't affect you at all when you were a child and but you would not let your children watch it today, or would you let them watch them anyway? Um, like, what movies did affect oh. you at a young age that you still carry around with you? Yeah. Not making a judgment. I wanted to write this. I think I discussed not, a couple of those a couple of weeks ago, where I was like watching one of them with my kids, and I'm like I remember watching this one as a kid, and it didn't affect me. And then I'm watching it as an adult with my kid, and I'm like, uh-uh. wow. <laughs> Like, not making a judgment uh, with uh, parental or generational judgment. Like, we don't want to judge our parents or judge grandparents or judge any type of our families who happen to introduce these things to us, unless we want to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had the media as things that I watched at probably too young of age. I love them. Gremlins, SPG, Stand By Me, I'm not sure. The Breakfast Club, and then I told you guys you could free to add to those if you wanted to. Um, but there's no way I could watch like PG. That's great, but Zoe would not no. be able to watch Gremlins and Stand by Me. No Big way. Trouble in I think there's a 
boatload of ones that I could list on there that are PG, but we're probably borderline PG-13 slash R and R just for what's in them. But I'm kind of interested in people's own experiences and what you saw as a kid and what you may have loved as a kid or were mesmerized as a kid that you didn't quite understand. Like, I'll throw a one out there that, you know, mm-hmm. I went to go see The Color Purple when I was nine years old and I was mesmerized by it. But I didn't understand what was going on until I saw it later and I went, holy shit. Well, I, th- I think that's what hit me is when I watch these with the girls, it's like, I don't remember that as a kid. No. But now as you're an adult, you're like, whoa. Because <laughs> we just skip over it. Or if we don't understand it, we skip over it, I think. But I think it happens in Disney movies and Pixar movies too. They throw all the adult jokes in there where we get them as adults. Mm-hmm. But as a kid, you don't even think twice about it. Just like Jokes are different than. Yeah. But I mean, it's on the same level of there's as a kid, your mind just must. Some things just go through because you don't process them. Did gremlins scare you? No, no, me neither. Maybe laugh. Unless I had to milk that. Gremlins is among one of my favorite Christmas movies. I laughed as well, but I felt like like Zoe watching gremlins. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. She'd be in our bed for weeks. But I'm going to go see it. And I loved it. So it, it's just kind of interesting to know. It's just, I don't know if it was yeah. our brain, our mind frames, or if we protect our kids so much that we've put these things, ideas into our heads. Jason, I will admit, kind of, no, we should, oh my gosh, you can't watch that. Because, you know, I'm like, will you just be quiet? Because I think it'll be fine. Classification is the primary example. I didn't, as a kid, I didn't pick up on the language at all. I just found it funny. And then now watching it as an adult, you're like, oh, wow, that whole tirade is like not funny when your kid is there watching. I know, I know. Especially when they repeat everything you say. So, all these movies I used to watch when I was making Thanksgiving dinner and all this stuff when they were babies, and now I can't watch them. At this point, I'm thinking I don't. I'm gonna go the French way, which is kind of weird to say, but I may go French and just not care and just let my daughter and son watch it, and then just teach them to be responsible with their words in front certain company. That's kind of what I do with Zoe. I mean, yeah. That so should that's, be fun. So that's right. that, and then I do. We're doing the the grab bag, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay, so the kids' corner. Now listen, <laughs> I got real sick of the crap that the girls were watching, and. So I thought, okay, you know what? We're going to get up and we're going to watch Little House on the Prairie. Oh, boy. <laughs> you know what? And the first movie. The old Michael Landon series. Okay. Let's just talk about Michael Landon. Oh, boy. Come on. No credit for like knowing that I knew Michael Landon was in Little House on the Prairie. Everybody knows Michael Landon. I didn't until you just told me. Okay. So Little House on the Prairie, the first movie, is always getting all upset. You know, did they lose the dog? You know, freaking out. If they lost the dog, I'm not watching the show. Anyway, they did not lose the dog. Anyway, um, so she watched the first one. Now they're obsessed. The six-year-old and the nine-year-old both love it. Zoe has a huge crush on Michael Landon. Um, Zoe's, you know, she's also very drawn to Freddie Mercury. As I've been showing her all these clips, she is very, what's wrong with you? I know, she died. Yes. Uh, Mrs. Olson died two weeks this ago? week. This week, last week. Sorry, fourteen. Last week, um, 
So anyway, I, I, I say watch it. I'm so I'm a six year old, nine year old. They both love it. They both can't wait to watch it. They get into it. There's some dark episodes you can skip. Um, there's some feely episodes, but I don't think it's anything. I mean, I grew up with it, so again, maybe we shouldn't be watching it. But so far, so good. Um, in the book of the week, I. Uh, this was an audible, but it was lost for words. I just enjoyed the book because it focused so much on books and it focused on Love Day, um, who just works in a bookstore. That's all she really wants to do. And it serves as her refuge because she had such a bad childhood and it, 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 it forms, it kind of uh, deals with the people that she meets in the bookstore and how they affect her life and how guarded she is because of her history and how she's able to um, deal with that. But every single chapter is a genre of a book, like a book genre. And I, I don't know, kind of fascinating dealing with words and books. Um, it's kind of cool. So I would recommend that one. So Lost for Words by... Stephanie Bell, and you can get that. You can probably get it at the library. So, I'm just saying. Anybody Helen? Cool. Anything else? Um, my game of the week is still Red Dead Redemption. I actually took a week off of playing it. <laughs> mm. Had it hit an emotional point in it, and it was like, okay, just need to back off for a week. <laughs> I told Jason. That, I told Jason that I wanted um, one of the ones you mentioned that you played it on Xbox or oh, PS4. the PlayStation Four. Yeah, and then what do you say? So you get the game system, he gets a TV. What well, way? I was saying, well, this Red Dead Redemption, and then this New York one he's been playing. Oh, Spider Man! The Spider Man. Yeah. Um, this is sound kind of cool. I don't know, and he's just like, oh god, all right, come on, party at your house, game night. Yeah. It's an acquired taste. I mean, I could. I'm fine with just sitting and watching you play it. From like I like I said before, it's it's a long form story and it's an interactive story. And see, I it's, like stories, so why not do that? And do you think that you think about anything else except that? When you're doing it, do you think of anything else in your life except what's going on? No, I'm very aware of what else is going on. No, I mean, I mean, I'm not talking about your kids in the house. I'm talking about. Problems. Or worries or problems or crap in your head. No, the, gaming for me has always been a, it's like running for me. It's just my time to just, all my frustrations, all my venting. Um, if I'm having a bad day at work, it's my way of just releasing. I've been um, putting together puzzles. Uh, like, uh, And I think that's why my wife puts up with that. Sure. But, you know, she's been, she sat down on the couch while I've been sitting there playing it before. It's just... Sometimes they're interactive stories that are hilarious because they're they're like, what just happened? But like I had a moment where it's like you riding the horse across back to camp or something like that. And just they had this moment in the first Red Dead where you crossed over into Mexico and it was just like this this song. And most of the music in it is there's no lyrics or anything. And it was a specifically composed – song for that time when you crossed over into Mexico and you entered and it just, 
broke open the whole what your idea of an open world game was. And in this one, it was just like all of a sudden it started raining and you started hearing the music beats match what your horse beats were doing. And then all of a sudden the lyrics started coming in. You're like, this is just freaking like you started getting goosebumps because you're like, this is weird. And if you slowed down, the tempo of the song changed. And so like everything was interactive in a way as to what you were physically doing at that moment. But I, for Thanksgiving week, I just, I didn't play it at all this week until this morning. Um, I've been putting puzzles together. Puzzles are, puzzles help me. Jigsaw puzzles, by the way. I think I say crossword. I can't do crossword puzzles. Really? You can't? Uh-uh. My sister, fantastic. I'm doing pen. People get annoyed with me, so. No. <clears throat> pen is the way studs do it. Like, I just get really impressed with people that do it in pen. Anyway, but, um. Uh, Dewey does it in pen as well. Very cool. Hmm. But I would do, I do jigsaw puzzles just because uh, I, do, I don't think about anything else. It's one of the one things that that does that because I can't meditate with a damn. So that's my meditation. I have several things. I mean, aside from the game, like if I, I just disappear into drawing. I can't draw. But... My problem when I disappear in a drawing, I hate getting interrupted. It's mm. so like other things I can kind of walk away from. Mm. Drawing is not one of those, like if I'm involved in it, yeah, I'll skip over dinner. I'll skip over sleeping. <laughs> I can't. It's not well, like writing. Yeah. But, so. Sure. So what's on your radar? What's in your queue? Thank you for writing those out again. I like that. Tony. All right, I'm going to be the bad guy here, okay? Bad um, guy. Yeah. Okay, so House of Cards, I invested so many years of my life in that show, and the last season totally let me down. To You're not where being a bad guy. It, it just, sucked. I was just annoyed. I was angry. It should have ended with season five and been done with it. Right. I have nothing against Claire becoming president. I just don't think they made it interesting enough. It wasn't. It became like a, so. just not real. It wasn't grounded in reality. Just, I was so mad. I mean, much of the last couple of years wasn't grounded in reality, but... And then we have Doug. I love Doug. They made Doug. What was Doug? Just, I mean. Uh, I think they did a lot of scrambling once. Uh, Kevin was dismissed. Yeah. They should have just ended it at season four. It would have been fine. It would have been great. But no. Let's keep milking because we're Americans. We milk things. But still, it became borderline ridiculous. And the ending where. Can I say? Can I? Am I allowed to? Can I do you it? You can do whatever you okay, want. Okay, guys. Doug dies at the end. And the way he dies is just totally ridiculous. And Claire's pregnant. And with you're like, what? Just stuff that doesn't just... Doug's reasoning makes sense for why he's doing what he's doing throughout the season. But Claire is now holding her part up. And it just becomes... No. I just... I was mad. I, I just look forward to seeing um, Timeless on December 20th. Maybe that'll make me happy. I just can't get behind it that's that's a skip don't watch for me um and another news i've been listening to a lot of local artists uh like um jackson cavalier who is going to be i think he dropped the album recently we were supposed to review it last time but you know sick and all so i'll be reviewing again and getting my take on that and next time i'll talk about his music some because he's a local artist and we have lots of local artists here especially musicians and if you have music and you want us to listen to it and put it on the show let us know we can work out something but that's what I'm up to. That's what I'll be doing. That's it? Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So I had a lot. So it started off with, uh, I think Valerie had suggested Homecoming. 
a couple of weeks ago with the Julia Roberts and it was based off of the podcast. Um, I gave it a watch. It was kind of interesting. So they made really? use of different formats in terms there's three different formats in the way they shot it. There's a square format, there's the full sixteen nine square format, and then there's the two thirty five to one ratio. Interesting. And it was used to help you realize what's in the past, what's in the present, and what's in the future. And so if you were paying attention, you would always understand the jumps in everything, especially as it got into, I don't know, episode seven, when everything just kind of flipped itself because all of a sudden you were no longer in the square format, you were predominantly in the 16.9 format. And then they would occasionally throw in the 235 to one and it was like, what the hell? And they're like, oh, okay, now everything makes sense because of the way they formed it. Was it good? Mm, it was okay. I was bored. It wasn't the greatest. I started it and got bored, but maybe it's because I was tired. But I stuck through, watched the whole thing. Um, okay. I'm not going to give it a high recommend, that's for sure. Okay. Um, I never listened to the podcast. I might go back and listen to it just to see if the podcast that it's based on is any good. Um, uh, Making a Murder Season 2, meh, pass. Um, Overlord. Overlord, yes. Saw Overlord in the theaters a couple weeks ago. Um, interesting movie. It's a World War II set movie, and it's got the Nazis making some uh, creatures in a basement of a cathedral. And it's actually, you know, for on paper what it looked like, it actually ended up being better. And it, you could have seen this as like, a rough beginning to a Captain America film, hmm. like a Captain America origin film kind of thing. But there were parts in it pretty good. Uh, House of Cards, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> uh, John Legosmo's Latin History for Morons, which was filmed oh, this year at when he was on Broadway, is on Netflix. So watch that. That was pretty entertaining. Uh, Adam Sandler's 100% Fresh um, is on. If you like Adam Sandler, it's really good. If you don't like Adam Sandler, give it a hard pass. It's definitely 100% Adam Sandler. Um, another show that I ran across because it came across Netflix as it was on was Get Shorty. Um, and this has, uh, and now I can't remember his name, the Irish guy. Describe him. Oh, no, I'm going to forget his name. But it's got... Uh, Celia Murphy? No, no. Oh, my gosh. I'll get it. I hate when this happens. I got it. Keep going. It was just in my head. Um, it's got Ray Romano in it, and uh Irish guy is basically... If you've seen the movie Get Shorty, it's kind of... It's based off that same Elmore Leonard... Um, universe. Universe, and it was pretty good. You know, I enjoyed it. And then I caught up on season two, which just ended. Chris O'Dowd? Chris O'Dowd. Um, so I recommend Get Shorty if you want something entertaining in long form. Uh, Narcos. Um, basically, season three is back, but it's not called season three. It's called Narcos Mexico, season one. And it's got Diego Luna and Michael Pena in it. And I think it's really good. And gives a nice little hint at the end as to who's going to be coming along for season or for season two, which makes me even more excited because it's 
one of the, my actors that I've really enjoyed as of late. Um, and then last night watched Black Klansman. Uh, it's a good movie. The Spike Lee movie. Yeah, movie. it was. I I enjoyed it. There were moments when I was laughing so hard that it was it was more the moments when he was at in the office on the phone and the guys in the background when they turn around. <laughs> he's like, "What are you doing?" Um, but I really liked it. It's a Spike Lee film, and I'm not usually into Spike Lee films. Exactly. Um, but the and the last little clips at the end kind of. You know, race is a hard issue in this country, and the, he knows how to drive it home. And he drove it home at the end. It's like, well, fuck, we still haven't changed. Uh, There's a book out there that this is based on. So if you have more interest in that movie, you should read the book. It's good. And that would mean I'd have to set a time time to read. <laughs> Audible. That's what it's yeah. for. We'll see. Uh, listening to... Um, there's been a really fantastic podcast called Last Scene. It's written by the Boston Globe writers about an art heist in Boston, Massachusetts area. Um, I really have been liking it, and just I highly recommend it. Uh, if you're a Mumford & Sons fan, uh, their new album Delta just came out last week. Um, it's a little tamer than their last album, um, and kind of a mix of their old and new style. And Hans Zimmer came out with Widows, which I was not very impressed by. On my radar, uh, still got Greed, Creed 2 and Green Book. In my queue, Outlaw King, Apostle, Damnation, and Buster Scruggs I need to finish up. I got about halfway through Buster Scruggs, and it was just late, and I was tired, and it's a very slow, methodical show. I want to watch Green Book because it's getting a lot of Oscar buzz early for uh, Mahershala and... Um, I've heard about that too. Ba, 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 Vigo. Vigo are getting a lot of buzz early. So I read the screenplay, read the book that it's based on, so the movie's next. And we'll see. Yeah, there was a somebody locally slammed it pretty hard. Uh, no comment. I think I know what you're talking about. Okay. But that's unfortunate. It was more of how it dealt with race and... Okay. Yeah. Okay. Watched. Dogs! Well, that's... I screwed up and put that on one. Even if you have it listed, it doesn't even matter. Anyway, I'll just write it. I'll read them the right way. So I started Homecoming and I got bored. <laughs> so maybe I'll finish it. Um, I honestly, guys, I haven't had any time to watch anything. Um, I've been watching The House of the Prairie and then I come and we really I just don't have it in me I'm just kind of tired so uh, I saw Dogs there's a documentary on Netflix that is in my queue to watch with the girls and we're watching Little House on the Prairie and the girls uh, I want to go see Fantastic Beasts in the movie theater Um, as far as listening to I wrote down a ton of and you can say yes or no if you've heard of these. So so for podcasts that have to do with um, movies, the projection booth. Yes. The treatment. No. No? Uh, the director's cut. Mm -mm. Uh, the business. The director's cut is the one that actually has the directors. That's the yes. one by the PGA yeah. or the DGA. Yeah. And then yeah, there's one about good. playwriting. At the table... 
Have you heard of it? I don't know. You probably don't even listen to them. Playing in the air, playwright to, I don't know what the heck that word is. The subtext, talking theater, the playwriting podcast, um, and the theater folk podcast, which actually sounded kind of cool. So I wrote all those down. Um, yeah, really. I'm, I'm just going to choose and see, and then I'll give you a what I thought helped me particularly or that I liked. But I haven't been able to watch anything. So I'm kind of behind, and I, I just was Thanksgiving and... Not that it's his fault with Jason being gone, all this stuff. I just, I kind of haven't really been able to get caught up with stuff. No worries. I had a lot of time on my hands. I did. I just did not. I don't know. I watch, you know, I watch um, Identity. I watched Identity. Uh, that is from way back when. Way back when. It had John Cusack and it has Amanda Peet. And it has some other people that I don't know their names. And they're all at a hotel. And they're all trying to, all this stuff is going on. And, oh, it has Jack Busey, who just looks just like his brother, Gary Busey, with He's the teeth and brother. everything. It's weird. What? Uh, no, he had a brother. I know he had a son, but I didn't know he had a... Oh, maybe it's his son? No, no. Um, keep going, though. But... Jake is his son. Yeah. Okay, it's probably Jake. Not Jack, I'm sorry. Jake Busey, but man. Um, so Identity, it's a throwback. So look, just Identity for John Cusack. If you want to be kind of entertained, um, they kind of give it away toward the end. But you know what? It's it's. I think it's kind of cool. It's interesting. It's, um, I guess you would put it under thriller. I would say it's a thriller. But um, I didn't, the ending ugh, could have done been so much better. So that's the only thing I watched because, yeah. Life. Life happens. Fun. So, yeah, that's about. You still got Sabrina in your queue, I see. I started watching Sabrina. I watched the first two, three episodes. And they're going to have a Christmas special, too. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how I feel about it yet. I liked it. I am still deciding if I like it or not. Like I said, I liked it better than Harry Potter films, so. I just haven't figured out if I like it yet, so I'm still. It's very hard for me to figure out if I like things if I'm tired. <laughs> So if I'm like watching and I'm tired, I'm like, ugh, this is the only time I have time to watch stuff is in the evening. So I don't know. We'll see. Okay. Tony, where can we find you? I'm on uh, Facebook at Anthony Dark Carter 167 and on Instagram at Ant Carter 85. Twitter is SMT. That's Sam Martin T. Theo. O-R-C-H-I-O. That's my Twitter handle. So Scott M. Torfio. S-M-T-O-R-C-H-I-O. That's Twitter. And Carter85 is Instagram. And Anthony.Carter167 is Facebook. Um, yeah, you can find me if you want to. It's up to you. <laughs> uh, I'm on VB Vidmar on Twitter. Um, and PennyLane64 on Instagram. 
And I mean, Facebook, you can just, you know, I'll post stuff on on cultural stew. But other than that, I'm not really on Facebook much. Go find her on Twitter. She posts some stuff occasionally. Obama did. (laughs) Yes. Yes. She she is the one among our group that is now being followed by the Obama. Uh, You can find me pretty much everywhere as at GF Media or GF Media CEO. Um, on pretty much any other social media network. You can find us at culturalstew.net, at culturalstew.net on Twitter, and culturalstew on Facebook. Thank you. We'll see you next time. Ciao. The intro and break music is Please Listen Carefully by Jazir, available through the Creative Commons license from Free Music Archive. The outgoing music is provided by Epidemic Sound. Please see our show notes for details on what the outgoing song is and who it is by. And also, as always, if you have a piece of music that you'd like us to play or consider playing, please contact us today. Like what you've heard? Want to continue to hear more? Please consider Patreon. 
What is Patreon, you ask? Patreon is a content creator support site, a way for people to support the things they love and allow creators to continue creating the content that they love. Please consider heading over to patreon.com slash gfmedia and becoming a Patreon supporter today.